Hi, this is Trent England with Save Our States. We defend the Electoral College because we believe in the importance of our constitutional republic and the integrity of our elections. I'm here with someone who works full time to defend the integrity of our state and federal elections. Jason Sneed is the executive director of the Honest Elections Project. And we're gonna talk a little bit about what that, uh, what that, what that means, what Jason's working on. Um, Jason, thanks for, for being on the podcast. Uh, Trent, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Well, tell us, uh, first off, what is the Honest Elections Project? What are you focused on right now? So HEP is a nonprofit, nonpartisan watchdog. Uh, we are fighting to preserve every American's right to a fair, secure, accessible, and ultimately honest election. Uh, and we do that through public advocacy and, uh, and public uh, education so that everyone knows what's really going on in the election space. And then we also have a litigation shop, too, uh, that was involved in, uh, in several cases before the 2020 election. And then also we just wrapped up a case in, uh, in Michigan where we, uh, we were supporting a, um, a, a plaintiff in Michigan. We successfully got the Secretary of State to start cleaning up the voter rolls, beginning with a, a 177,000 outdated uh, registrations that that need to be removed. I, I know that uh, you talk about the security of the voter rolls. That is just a piece of the concerns that people have with HR1. Uh, that a lot of conversation about what's going on in Congress on elections. And I know you really focus, Jason, on, on, on this issue. Why is HR1 such a concern when it comes to the integrity of elections? Well, one of the, the big problems with HR1, and there are many, it's an 800-page bill, but one of the big problems with HR1 is that it makes the classic mistake that you see all the time uh, when you're talking to folks on the left about voting issues, and it's this. Voting rights are really two rights. You have a right to ballot access, and you also have the right to a fair and secure process. And if you're doing elections well and you're doing them right, you have to balance those two things together. But what often happens, particularly when you're talking to progressive activists, is that they will focus 100% on access, and they will say that if you are not making it easier to vote, then you are engaging in voter suppression. And so, so much of what you see in terms of the policies at, 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 in HR1 are all designed with that in mind. They ignore or worse are utterly antagonistic towards basic things like voter identification laws. Uh, they try to make it harder to clean up voter rolls so that you have accurate uh, voter rolls and voter registration records. They're trying to impose a, a whole slew of policies on states almost none of which um, actually in any way, shape or form think about the second half of the voting equation, the integrity of the process. And that's going to, of course, lead to concerns amongst voters about whether the process is truly fair and secure. And then it's also going to create problems when it comes to election administration, when you actually are trying to secure the process, it's going to create all sorts of headaches. And that's just really one of many problems that the bill has. Yeah, I'm, I'm always fascinated that people who talk so much about voter turnout seem to forget sometimes that voters will not turn out and vote in elections that they don't trust. I mean, do you think that's an issue? And I know you've done some polling. I mean, where, where are voters on some of these, these issues that have to do with, with the integrity of the ballot? Well, that is absolutely an issue, and I'm, I'm really glad that you brought this up, because 
whenever we are having these debates about voting issues, it inevitably becomes you know, the, the, the argument about uh, driving up voter participation by making it easier to vote. The underlying assumption there is people aren't voting because it's too hard or because there are barriers. Well, what you actually see when you look at surveys of people who don't participate is something entirely different, right? So there was a survey that was put out in 2019 by a group called the Knight Foundation. They actually surveyed, I believe, 12,000 people who are perpetual non-voters, people who just don't participate in the political process. And overwhelmingly, they think voting is easy. They just don't do it because they have concerns about the process. They think their vote doesn't matter. They think the process is rigged. This is some of the stuff they actually said. Um, they, uh, they don't like the politicians that are running. They don't like the, the, the political discourse, or they just don't want to spend the time to, to learn about the issues, so they figure why bother voting. So if you're talking about, you know, we need to drive up voter participation by making voting easier. There's two fundamental problems there. One is that's not why people are not voting. And the other is if you take away safeguards, if you call them barriers and then eliminate them, what you're leaving exposed is the process itself. And that's only going to turn people off. And I think ironically enough, push more people into that camp that doesn't want to participate in the process. So we could actually be counterproductive to the ostensible mission of driving up voter participation. So I think that is absolutely imperative that we be talking about this. It has to be accessible and it has to be secure. We say easy to vote and hard to cheat, and then you'll get people to participate. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Back to HR1 in Congress, is it constitutional? Because Congress doesn't have that much power to directly tell states and local governments what to do about elections, right? So, so to talk about that, I mean, is, is this the Honest Elections Project has a litigation um, arm? You mentioned that. I mean, is, is this something that, that may be litigated if, you know, if Congress tries to do some of the things that are in HR1? Oh, I, I don't think it's a question of if. I think it's a question of how soon it will be litigated afterwards. Uh, look, you're, you're right. The Constitution um, has actually several clauses that deal with the administration of elections. So there is there is the elections clause and there is the electors clause. And without getting too far into the constitutional minutia, the elections clause generally governs um, uh, elections to Congress and the electors clause for the selection of presidential electors through um, the electoral college. The elections clause uh, says that states set the time, place, and manner regulations of elections. So they actually do the how and the uh, and the what of elections. And Congress can come in and can make or alter those regulations. There are questions, of course, about whether that means that Congress can utterly displace states and just assume the direct regulation of every aspect of congressional elections. That's an open question that would have to be resolved in the courts. And I think it'd be very difficult to say it's constitutional to just you know, take it all away from states. That's effectively what HR1 would do. Then on the electors clause front, Congress's power to regulate the election of the president is vastly different and vastly more limited. Uh, there you can set the date, but not much else. Uh, everything else is vested in state legislatures to set that process. But HR1 doesn't distinguish between congressional elections and presidential elections. It treats them all as one and the same. And so in that sense, uh, there could be a, a fatal flaw in the legislation. 
and then drilling down on some of the particular policies. For instance, the, the, the requirement that states adopt uh, independent redistricting commissions. You know, the, con or the Constitution says legislatures determine the, the, the districts and representation in Congress. So can you compel a state to violate the Constitution? I would argue that would be a, a likely no. The 14th Amendment allows states to determine whether felons lose their, their right to vote and how they can gain it back. H.R. 1 requires that uh, voting rights be restored the second that you walk out of prison, even if you haven't completed your full sentence. And that, again, runs in, I think, directly uh, into some constitutional problems. So there are some severe infirmities, and I think it will be challenged, and then we'd have to see how the, the court cases play out. Jason, you mentioned the Electoral College. Obviously, that's what we do at Save Our States. How do you see the issue of the Electoral College being you know, sort of connected to this push in Congress to have more federal power over elections? So the, the Electoral College is, is, in my view, a fundamental piece of our, of our election system. And it does so many wonderful things towards helping to, to build a truly inclusive representative government. Uh, it balances the interests of states and of regions. It prevents our, our system from becoming simply one where large urban jurisdictions in a couple of major cities uh, really determine who is president. Always make sure that you've got that sort of balance built in. It gives voice to people who would otherwise not be major players uh, and would uh, would be reduced to just flyover status. You know, I'm from Ohio. We were flyover country. Um, uh, you wouldn't have as much of a say, and that would, I think, have some serious consequences. But look, I mean, in 2016, uh, the conversation was very much about, you know, how do we change the electoral college process? Because the perception on the left was that prevented us from having Hillary Clinton in the White House, right? Now, that's not the central issue. Now, the, the left is animated about what they call restrictive voting practices. So things like asking for a photo ID, which incidentally is popular with three quarters of voters. Um, so now you're seeing the focus on HR1, again, trying to change the process that they perceive as preventing them from having overwhelming control in Congress. So I think that this is all kind of tied into that basic back-end calculus of whatever the rule is that we think is preventing us from, from, a, from accomplishing a particular victory, that's going to be what we talk about trying to change. You know, it's changing process to change results. And I think that the end result of both of these types of conversations is a sense among voters that they won't be able to trust that the process is truly fair. And that's going to, to get back to what we were talking about earlier, I think, drive down confidence and participation. I'm talking with Jason Sneed. He's the executive director of the Honest Elections Project. Jason, what, what is your group doing to stop HR1 and what can other people do to, uh, to help stop this really dangerous legislation to, and, and to assist your efforts? Sure, so we're doing quite a lot, as are a number of groups in the conservative space here, looking at the problems of HR1 and then seeing what, uh, what we can do to prepare for potential litigation. So we've done a, a, a hard look at the particular policies. We actually got a report coming out today about the impact that HR1 would have on state laws. 36 states have voter ID laws. Those laws would effectively be nullified. Um, about uh, 30 uh, states don't do automatic voter registration. They'd have to start, right? 14 states don't offer 
uh, no excuse absentee voting. They'd have to develop uh, no excuse absentee voting protocols. All of this would have to happen by the 2022 election. That's a serious administrative um, problem. And that's going to, I think, open up the door to voter confusion, to administrative confusion, to potential chaos, and then ultimately to litigation because any jurisdiction that doesn't meet that deadline can be sued. And so we, we are working very much on that front, trying to make sure that folks know what's in this bill and what problems it would have. We've also done some polling to see, you know, what do voters actually want? Because when you're just listening to folks inside the Beltway who are speaking on behalf of organizations and are pushing narratives, the, the voices of real voters get lost. But we did a poll, um, or actually our, our C4 partner, HEP Action, did the poll. And uh, we saw that 77% of voters want voter ID laws. Uh, that includes a majority of black voters, majority of Hispanic voters, majority of low income voters. These are, the, these are the people who are supposedly suppressed by that law, but they want it. Only 11% of people want uh, third parties like political operatives to be able to collect ballots. That's something called ballot trafficking, but HR1 would impose that in every community nationwide. So we're trying to inject reality into this debate as well. And then lastly, we are looking again at uh, the litigation aspect of this. You know, where, where are the vulnerabilities and what can we do to make sure that the constitution isn't subverted by policies that uh, ultimately fly in the face of at least the principle of federalism uh, and make sure that we're defending the ability of states and, and ultimately voters to control the election system. So what can people do to help you? I know you've got a website, share that with, with folks. I mean, it, it sounds like what we really need people to do is to amplify that message. The left has some great bumper sticker slogans, but of course the facts are very different from those slogans. The, you know, the slogans sound great, but when people see the reality, as you mentioned in your polls, most Americans don't support the policies in HR1. How can people find your work and share it? Sure. So we've got a website, honestelections.org. We're also active on Facebook and Twitter, too, at Honest Elections is our handle on both of those. I encourage folks to check us out to see what we're doing. You know, the most important thing that you can do, number one, is to make sure that you know the facts, right? So much of this debate is about narrative and ideology, and, and it, we are living in large respects, I think, in a post-factual world. So make sure that you know what the facts are, and that includes what's going on at the state level, too. And then, Trent, to your point, the second most important thing here is to then amplify messages that actually show what's really going on, what's at stake, and why we should be focusing on enhancing safeguards for our process, building voter confidence, and ultimately delivering an election system that works and works well for all voters, not trying to ideologically overhaul um, all of our elections nationwide and impose these loose voting practices that risk truly the fundamental, um, uh, uh, the fundamental legitimacy of the election process itself. So educate yourselves and then engage in that conversation and amplify what groups like mine and, uh, and Save Our States are doing to make sure that we actually have a system that works. Absolutely, Jason, last question. Who is your favorite founding father and why? This is this is a good one. Um, you know, I'm actually I think I'm going to have to go with uh, I'm going to have to go with George Washington. Um, you know, in terms of uh, I know he didn't write the Constitution, but so much of uh, of what he did and what he stood for is in the DNA of the country. Right. The uh, idea of a, a two term limit on the president, the idea of handing power peaceably from one to the next. 
it's, it's, I think, part of the reason that our, uh, our democracy, our republic has survived is because he, at the moment of potential absolute power, decided that he was actually going to be true to what the nation's revolution had been about. And I think that we all owe that, uh, uh, that man a debt of gratitude that will last as long as the country. Yeah, disagree with that. Jason Sneed, Executive Director of the Honest Elections Project. Thanks so much for joining me. I'm Trent Anglin with the uh, Save Our States uh, Project with, with Save Our States. We defend the Electoral College and uh, we're glad to have you here with us. Thanks for watching.